You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Last week I talked a little bit about reaching the lost and what we're saved from. This week I want to talk to you about what we're saved for. It's one thing to be saved from something. But now that we have this new life in Christ, what are we to do with it? We're not saved for ourselves but rather we're saved for God's kingdom. He didn't just rescue us for us. He rescued us so that we could rescue others from darkness. Whatever you have been rescued from, typically you have a heart for. So if you've ever been ministered to and you've come out of a certain kind of life, you recognize that you have a heart for people who are stuck in that same place that you used to be in. So if you where at one point in time uh, dealing with addiction, you might find that you have a heart for people who are addicted because you want to see them free and sober just like you are free and sober. If you've ever been homeless, maybe you have a heart for those who are homeless because you know what it's like to be on the streets. You know what it's like to not have anything. And so you have a heart for those who are homeless. Perhaps you have a heart for prison ministries. Maybe you spent some time in prison and you have a heart for those who are currently in prison. So sometimes whatever darkness we've come out of is also what we have a heart for to help people with. Sometimes in our lives too, if we've experienced goodness in our life, the time that we've experienced where God transformed us, where the Lord came into our lives, that time in our lives is very special and meaningful to us and conversely we have a heart for people in that same stage of life as well so if you were a teenager and you're part of a youth group that was really meaningful to you and you encountered Jesus as a youth you might find yourself having a heart for teenagers because that was a meaningful and special part of your life and you want to share that with the next generation Maybe you were a young adult in college or in a career group and you encountered Jesus there and you remember and reflect upon those times fondly and as a blessing, then your heart might say, you know what, I want others to experience what I experienced as well. And so you might have a heart for college students and young people. Maybe you encountered him much later in life and you say, you know what, I spent my whole life not knowing the Lord, and now I do, and now I want other people to know Jesus and to have their whole life ahead of them and not to have it later on in life like I did. I want to tell you this, that ministry is not a what. Ministry is always a who. It's who you're called to, not necessarily what you're called to. You might say to yourself, well, I'm called to preach and teach. That's good. If you don't have an audience to preach or teach to, good luck with that. So you, in order to preach and teach, you need to have someone that's going to listen to you. So you, it's not even necessarily what you're called to. It's who you're called to. You'll always find there's a face, hallelujah, and a place that God calls you to where people need you and people need the Lord. So remember that. Say, Lord, who do you want me to have a heart for? In our church, in the community, who do you care about that is being overlooked or unreached for your kingdom. Today I want us to look at God's word. If you'll look with me at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. I believe there's an encouragement in this for us too today. This is written by the Apostle Peter in one of his letters. There are two letters that he writes 
And this is found in his first letter, 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 12. You can either follow along in your own Bible or your app, or you can just follow along on the screen behind us. By the way, if you are in need of a Bible at any point in time, just let one of us know. We'll be happy to provide you one free of charge. Verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people called for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now, the day of visitation also means the day of judgment or the day of the Lord's return. So three thoughts I want to share with you this morning, only three. So they should be easy to keep track of, and they shouldn't keep us here very long and let God do what he wants to do this morning. So the first thing is this. First, Jesus called us out. Called us out of darkness. Called us from where we were, from the darkness of sin, and he called us to where he is, where there is light, life, and forgiveness. He called us out of darkness, and he didn't just simply call us out of darkness, but gave us a new name. We used to not be God's people. Now we are God's people. If you look at the scriptures too, you'll notice that any time God came into the life of someone, he took their name that they had and he gave them a different name. Whether it be Abram, who is known, and that uh, name means father, and he changed it to Abraham, which means father of many. Jacob, his name was known as deceiver or supplanter. He said, you'll now be called Israel, which means a prince with God. When God gets a hold of our life, he changes us, and he changes our name. We're given a new identity. We used to be known by different names. Perhaps your reputation before you came to Christ wasn't exactly the best reputation. Maybe you have a reputation that you'd rather soon forget. And maybe in the town or in your family, you are known as certain things, whether it be the black sheep of the family or some other negative term that was used for you. But when we come to Christ, he gives us a new name, and we bear his name. So whenever you come into a family, hallelujah, you take on the name of that family. And you belong to that family. So anytime we welcome a new member to my family, They take on the name Valeri, and they are part of that family. When you become a Christian, you take on the name Christ. You are a Christian, a follower of him, and you are part of the family of God, and you belong in his family. He's given you a new name. We used to be in darkness. We used to be in judgment. We used to have not received mercy, but now because of the gospel that's been preached to us, we've received mercy. We used to be called sinners in a lot of things before we came to Christ, but now we have a new name. He says we're a chosen people. Now, remember that Peter is first preaching to the Jewish people who have been dispersed all throughout the Roman Empire and all throughout the world, so he reminds them they are a chosen people. 
But we must also remember that the Scriptures tell us that God foreordained that we would be chosen by Him to receive salvation. So even though Peter addresses the Jews, we also know that we were chosen to receive salvation, so God chose us. He says, you're a royal priesthood. This refers to the priesthood of believers. Not that, uh, not that we are priests, but we do not need someone to mediate before God for us. We can go to God ourselves. Christ has become our mediator. So that we, when we want to pray, we don't need to have someone pray for us to pray to God. We can pray directly to God. When we need to ask for forgiveness, we can go directly to God and ask Him for forgiveness. And he has also um, given us the responsibility as people who bear his name to bear the message of Jesus to other people, to share the gospel with other people, to talk, talk to them about the kingdom of God that is coming and that is now here. And so we are representatives of that covenant. He says they're a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. This is a reference that Peter makes to Exodus 19, 6 where God promises the Jewish people of what they will be. One day they would have a land of their own. One day they, they would no longer wander in the wilderness, but have a country of their own and a place to call their own. And people will know them as a holy people. People will know them as people that know God and it can introduce you to God. And even though we don't have a country of our own per se, even though we live in this wonderful country, United States of America, but you have to remember too that he reminds them that they're pilgrims and sojourners and exiles. We don't belong here. We're not of this world. Our kingdom is not of this world. We belong to the kingdom of heaven. We belong to the kingdom of God. And so our responsibility is to act like citizens of heaven. You know, you can tell where a person's from by the way that they sound, right? I remember living in Boston, and you could tell if a person was from Southie, Everett or Revere because of their accent. You know, if you're of a different nationality, sometimes people can tell what part of the world you're from by your accent and the way that you speak. And so we can kind of identify, are you from this area? And say, well, yeah, I am. Or no, I'm actually from here. But the same thing should be true of us as Christians is that when we speak, people should recognize you're a little different. You're not from around here, are you? You're not part of this world. You speak differently. You have hope. You have encouragement. You have, you have just a, a peace about you. When you speak, you should be speaking the language of heaven because you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And you want to bring people into that kingdom as well. Revelation 1.6, the apostle John writes concerning not just the Jewish people but the church, but that we who are in Christ are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. We are people that belong to a heavenly kingdom who are advocates and messengers of Christ to the world we live in. So with this understanding, we should live as though this world is not our home, but rather heaven is our home. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And part of his calling out of darkness is a calling away from the things that we used to do, the deeds of darkness that we used to be involved in. We've been brought out of darkness into the light. Let's not go back into the darkness to find things that feed our sinful nature, but rather go to the things that instead feed your spirit. Christ called us out of darkness for a reason. He called us to make a decision. 
He called you not just to believe, but to follow him. He called you to not to have divided loyalties where, you know, you love God, but you love money. You love God, but you love your job more than your family and more than church. You love God, but you, you also love other things and some things that you would probably would not want to be mentioned in the con- company of people who go to church. And we can't have divided loyalties. When we follow Jesus, he brought us out of the darkness. It's almost like, you know, if you've ever been uh, in a place where it's not terribly clean or a kitchen that's not terribly clean. If you flip on the light, sometimes you see, you know, rats. Sometimes you see cockroaches. Sometimes you see them eating garbage, right? You know, you see them feeding on something. I know that's a gross thought right before lunch, but I want you to think about this picture for a minute. Is that, that's gross. Why would they do that? And why do they run away when the light turns on? You know, John chapter 1 tells us why things run away when the light's on, because they don't want people to see what they're doing. Imagine it this way. God brings you out of darkness into light. Why go back into the darkness to feed on garbage? Right? When he's brought us into the glorious riches of his inheritance, we don't need to go back to that. Yeah, but I left something over there. I really enjoy it. You don't need that anymore because I'm more than sufficient for you. And I have so much more for you, son or daughter of God, than you would ever have in the dark. We can't love this world and love Jesus too. We can't love sin and love Jesus too. We can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. We can't be half-hearted in our commitments, our faith, and our devotion to the Lord. We must wholeheartedly choose to follow Jesus, willingly out of our own heart to do so. We were called out of darkness, but secondly, uh, we were called into his marvelous light. Verse 12, we were called into his marvelous light. We were called out of sin, sin, shame, and judgment. We were called into forgiveness, truth, a new life, and walking with God. We are no more living for ourselves and for sin, but we live now for God. And we were called by Jesus so that we could be with him. He has called us into closer relationship with him. He didn't just call you, but he called others to do the same. And he calls us into community with one another. He said, yes, I can, you can serve God without going to church, but you're also sitting on the shelf if you're not in church. Because Jesus not only created salvation so that we might know who God is, but he created the church so that we might grow in our faith. How many know it's real easy to think that you've arrived when it's just you? I'm really smart. I know everything. I don't have any flaws because you are the only evaluator of yourself, right? And you might think you know a lot of things until you have a conversation with somebody who goes, well, I don't think that means in the scriptures what you think it means. And they're like, oh, maybe it doesn't. Or you might think that your life is pretty good and that you're living the right way and there's no flaws in who you are and your character. And all you have to do is get around people who are friends of yours, who are honest with you who will be open with you, and you'll realize that you're not as perfect as you think you are. How many know that we need friends like that that will sometimes point things out? I'll challenge you with this, too, is that when you are not at your level best doesn't mean you skip out on church just because you know you're not where you should be. This is where you should be when you're not at your best. It's how you get better. You get better by going to the hospital. You get better by going to the doctors. You get better by going to the healer. Same thing holds true in the church, is that you're not going to get better by staying away. It's like having a massive head wound, 
and it's not going to heal up on its own. You go, but I'll be fine. I don't want to trouble anybody, right, as you bleed out, right? You know, I, I don't want to be messy. Listen, you have to go to a place and get messy in order to get clean. You clean. You follow what I'm saying? So church is where you should be among believers in the church. Jesus created this beautiful thing called the church, not living hope, but just the body of Christ in general, to be in fellowship with one another so we can mature and that we can do more together for God than we ever could just by ourselves. I want us to look at another verse where Jesus encourages and he calls people into closeness with him. Mark 3, verses 13 through 15. And here he calls the 12 apostles. In verse 13 he says, And Jesus went up to the mountain, and called to them those he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have the power to heal the sick and cast out demons. I've been reading a book called Transform, Transforming Discipleship by Greg Ogden, and he refers to this verse about Jesus calling the ones he wanted to be with him. So if Jesus calls you, like he called the 12 disciples, he called them because he wanted them. And he didn't just want them just so that they could do stuff for him. He had a plan for them, yes. But the very first and foremost thing that he calls them into is he calls them into being in fellowship and in friendship and in relationship with him. He chose them, they came to him, and verse 14 says, so that they would be with him. And this time with Jesus is essential. For it's when they were with Jesus, they got to know the heart of Jesus. They got to know the instruction and teaching from Jesus. It's at the time with him that he showed them how to do the kingdom work. This is before he sends them out to preach. This is before he sends them out to heal and to cast out demons. He says, I just want you to be with me. Learn of me. Know my heart. Know my instructions. Know my wisdom. Sometimes we, see, we hear from God, and God says, I want you to do something. I want you to, to come to me, and we're so quick to just rush out. It's like, okay, here I go. Forgetting that unless you're spending time in fellowship and friendship and communion with Jesus, you're going to go out empty-handed trying to do his work. Because you won't have his heart. You won't have his spirit. You won't have his instruction. You won't have his experience. You need that time with the Lord. Jesus called them out of darkness and into the light that we might walk with him in the light. He has called us to be with him. That we would spend time with him. I encourage and implore you, don't be in a hurry when spending time with with the Lord. Those times are just so valuable. So valuable to spend time with Jesus. How often are we doing that? We're trying to do what God wants us to do, but are we spending real time with Him? It's kind of like saying, yeah, I spend time with my family, but you never talk to them. Or you spend time with your coworkers, but only when you're doing work. So you really are not getting close to them. Jesus wants us to be his disciples so that we might be close to him. More than anything else, he wants us to be with him. And that we would walk with him in the light. 
The Lord wants us to be with him first and foremost, the most important thing to him, because it's that fuel that feeds the fire. Without spending time with Jesus, you are powerless. After you've been with Jesus, he will send you out in his power and authority. I'll remind you that in the book of Acts, when Peter and John were before the Sanhedrin, it says that the Pharisees took notice that these men had been with Jesus. I know these guys, they were with Jesus. When you're out in the world that you live in, do people take note of the fact and say, something's different about you, I can tell you've been with Jesus. Other, other brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, they go, man, you just seem so at peace right now. Or, man, you're really passionate right now. Have you been spending time with Jesus? And you say, why, yes, I have been. Why? Because people will know that you've been with him. Just like Moses, when he came down from the mountaintop, that his face reflected and radiated the glory of God because he had been with God. We need to reflect God's glory in our hearts and lives. So remember what Jesus called us out of. Remember what he's called us into, which is deeper relationship with him. And thirdly, Jesus has sent us out to others. He has sent us out. Jesus saved us to be in fellowship with him, but not to sit around with other Christians the whole time. He has sent us out into the world. To this point, Living Hope has been really good about support and sending. We've been great about supporting missionaries. You guys stepped up big when it came to supporting our missionaries at our last missions convention. We are supporting an additional three or four ministries that we hadn't before, and we've greatly increased our support for world missions and local missions. I am incredibly proud of you. You are awesome for doing that. That's a wonderful thing, and you should be commended for it. We're really good about supporting and sending, but we're not so good about serving ourselves. We need to be able to uh, understand that we are to not only just simply support others that are doing the work, but support one another. I'll give you an example. If I put on a dinner next week here at this church, this sanctuary would be full. See what I'm saying? <laughs> but if I call a prayer meeting, five at the most. So what is it? We like when we are being entertained, when we are being fed, when we are being uh, ministered to. But where is the part where we minister to others? Think about our leaders, our volunteer leaders who try and put things together on a regular basis, our men, our, you know, our men's ministry, our women's ministry. They, they aren't doing this because they have nothing better to do. They're doing it for you because they love you and they want to see you grow for the kingdom. But when they put on breakfast, it's not because Bill just wants to have breakfast at 8.30 in the morning at church instead of at his house. He's doing it because hopefully I'll be able to encourage the men to be men of God and follow after him. When Jean Redekis puts on a Bible study prior to service, she's doing it not because she wants to get up earlier, but because she wants the ladies to come and to have fellowship with one another and be encouraged in the Word. When we put together an effort and an outreach and we say we have the same two or three people that always help out, but no one else helps out, we've lost the idea of serving, and we're more content to send out and support. But we need to support those who are doing the work of ministry within our church. Otherwise, they're going to say, no one wants to do this, so why are we doing it? And that's sometimes a good question to ask. 
Because sometimes we, don't, we need to not do those things if people don't care. And then people will say, well, why isn't there anything for that? I will have these annoying conversations with people. It's like, it would be great if we had something for the men. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Good idea. You know, it would be great if we had a prayer meeting. I will write that down. Thank you very much for that. You are so inspired and full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Pay attention. The opportunities to serve are all around you, and they're here. When they teach a class, when they put together a barbecue or breakfast or set up a connect group, they're doing it because they genuinely want to see your life change for the better. But when you show your support to them, then you encourage them, and you will find yourself blessed as well. We need to do a better job of supporting one another in the church. We also need to remember that Jesus called us out of darkness and sent us into the world to be a light, to be a priestly representation of him to the world, and to point people to a heavenly kingdom. But how will people see him? Take a look at verses 11 and 12 of 1 Peter 2. It says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul, and keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so they might not speak against you as evildoers. They may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. So live honorably, so when others accuse you of evil, they will see your good deeds and give glory to God. But that only works if you're actually serving the Lord. They can't see your good deeds if there are no good deeds. They can't see your service and glorify God if there's nothing that you're serving and doing. Hear me when I say this. Our faith is meant to be an active faith. It's meant to be a serving faith, and it's meant to be a sending faith. Do you know how many times Jesus talks about sending people out in the New Testament? Or how many times the New Testament mentions it? 22 times he talks about sending people out. And Jesus says these things in Mark. In Mark 6, 7, he sent them out in pairs and gave them authority over every unclean spirit. Matthew 10, 16, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so I also send you. Jesus, can't we just send somebody else? Aren't there missionaries for that? Aren't there people that do ministry for that? Isn't that the pastor's job? Yes, it's my job. It is. I do. You don't have to tell me my job. I know. Okay. But it's not just for the people that have the title of those things. It's for people more than just that. Luke 9, 2, he says this, And Jesus sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and performed healing. John 13, 20, I say to you, Whoever receives whomever I sent receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who has sent me. So a reoccurring truth appears here. The Heavenly Father is ascending God. He sent His Son that we might be saved. He sent His Holy Spirit. So the God that we serve, the the Heavenly Father, is ascending God. So that means that we are to be sent out as well. Jesus was sent by the Father to show what God is like. The Father sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus is ascending God. Savior. He sends us out with his name. And he said that whoever receives with faith, you receives me. And he also says whoever receives Jesus receives the Father. So as you go out in service to the Lord, if they reject you, it's not you they're rejecting. It's the Lord. 
But if they receive you, they're receiving the Christ that sent you, his gospel, his message, his faith, his teaching. And when they receive it, they partake of eternal life, and now they are receiving an eternal life with God in heaven forevermore. You're also rescuing others from darkness and bringing them into light. You're also bringing them out of a place where they were not in fellowship with the Lord to a place in which they are in fellowship with Jesus. And hopefully you come alongside them. Can I just do a little sidebar on this? When you bring someone to church, go with them to these things that you say that they should be part of. So if there's a Bible study, bring them to Bible study. If there's a new believers class, bring them to new believers class. Be with them to walk with them. Because notice Jesus sent them out by twos. Notice that discipleship takes place in twos. That we're to walk alongside them. Our job isn't done with just like, well, I brought them to church once and that's it. No, you're going to be working with them to develop them into a strong Christian. Because that's what we need. We need to disciple one another. People will never see Jesus unless we go. People will never know the Father unless we go out into the world. As I wrap this up, I want to just say this. The Great Commission is not just for missionaries. It's not just for evangelists. It's not even just for pastors. But the Great Commission is for every Christian to carry out. To, Jesus said to, and told his disciples, says, go and preach the gospel, baptizing those who believe in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are no armchair quarterbacks in God's kingdom. You can't sit in your easy chair and direct God's kingdom. You can't sit and affect the kingdom from your living room and not ever going somewhere. It requires us to go out, to interact with people in whatever way we can. And you might say, well, you know, Pastor, I might be watching from home. I have health issues that can't, that prevent me from being able to reach out and go out. Can I challenge you with something? Pick up the phone and call somebody. Call a fellow Christian, call a neighbor, call a friend. Say, hey, I was thinking about you today, and I just wanted to, you know, God just put you on my heart. I can't tell you how much that will bless somebody to be able to say, I was thought of today in a time where I don't feel like I'm thought of at all, especially on those really awful days where you feel like nobody cares about me. My own family doesn't even like me today. And then you call and say, you know, you were on my mind and I've just been praying for you. Man, what a difference that makes to hear that from somebody. You can go out as long as you're doing something that interacts with people. You still have a mind, you still have a heart, you still have the Spirit of God within you to change and to challenge people for the kingdom. If you can do that, then that's a wonderful thing. There's no remote learning for the reaching the lost. You can't reach people through Zoom Sometimes you have to get out of your house and tell somebody, unless you're going to invite your neighbors to Zoom. But the work of the kingdom is not like Amazon. You can't just point and click and everything's done for you. We serve a God that is bigger than that. We are part of a kingdom that is everlasting and unchanging. It is a living and active kingdom. It's a world-changing kingdom. It needs to be that in us before it can be that in the world. I want to bring it home with some very challenging questions. Are you ready? Ask yourself, what are you doing for the Lord right now? Think about it. Ask yourself the simple question, what are you doing for the Lord right now? Think about it. 
Now, ask yourself the question, what are you doing for the Lord that doesn't directly benefit you? That's a more difficult question because sometimes we say, well, I'm praying, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but who's the, the recipient of that? Me. Right? What are you doing for the Lord that doesn't involve you directly being benefited or blessed by those things? If you hear that question, the answer to that question is nothing or I can't think of anything, can I just encourage you that one of the most spiritual things that you can do is volunteer? One of the most godly things you can do is show up even when you don't want to. People are like, well, how do you get to be so consistent when it comes to serving God or it comes to church? And like, Some, listen, I would, be, I would be remiss to tell you that, I would, you know, that every time I come in here, I'm glad to be here. I'm just going to be honest with you. Believe it or not, sometimes your pastor doesn't feel like coming to church. Because sometimes I don't think I'm the best thing at all. I don't feel like I'm in a good place either. Do you understand what I'm saying? I hope you're not shocked by that. I hope you're not troubled by that. I'm just being honest with you. There's some days are good and some weeks are good and sometimes weeks are bad. Sometimes I'm doing great and I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm reading the Word and sometimes I haven't done any of that. Does that mean I I can't go? (laughs) I should stay away? No, I need to be here. I need to be, sometimes I feel like my prayers are making a difference. Sometimes there are times where you might pray and I feel like there's nothing happening. Does that mean I just stay away? No. Half the battle in anything is just showing up. Right? Do you go to work when you don't feel good? When you're not feeling emotionally good or you just call it out? Can't handle work today. Boss, I can't handle work today because I'm just not feeling it. No, you go. Why? Because you see the benefit of it, right? You said, I want to get paid. You know, I need to collect a paycheck, so I go. And even though it's not your best effort, you go. Why is church less? Why is the kingdom less? Come on now. Why is the kingdom less? When we have every spiritual blessing in Christ, he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Why does he get less than what our boss gets for that 15, 50 an hour job that you work at? When you're bagging groceries or when you're packing boxes and that gets more than the kingdom. I don't mean to challenge you today. I don't mean to come off like I'm sounding mean, but I want you to understand something. We have every blessing in Christ. Everything that he's given us for life and godliness is right there. And even more so than if you just pressed in and sought God for greater. How much more so if we just did it. We just showed up. And we just said, okay, I'm going to do something for the kingdom. Serve, serve, serve. We don't need to pray about it if Jesus said to do it. Sometimes, here is the Christian's famous outline. I will pray about it. Which means, I'm not going to give you an answer now, and I don't really want to do it, so here's my spiritual answer. The prayer about, I will pray about it, Sometimes it's sincere, but more often than not, it's a, no, I don't really want to do that, and I don't want to tell you to your face I don't want to do it. Is it getting real in here? I'm sorry. Are you still with me? You still here with me? You might not want me to come back next week. I don't even know. But hear what I say. It's like, we don't have to pray about the things that we're being asked to do if Jesus said to do it. We don't have to ask the Lord if we should share the gospel. Jesus told us to share the gospel. 
But we do have to pray about who we should share it with. We don't have to ask the Lord if we should care for the widow, orphan, and alien among us. James chapter 1 says that we should do that. But we do have to ask and pray and say, God, which ministry do you want me to be in that I'm most effective in? We don't have to pray about serving one another. The book of Romans tells us that. But we do have to pray about what we should do and lead. I, for one, am just tired of the excuses. You guys are veterans of the kingdom. You've been serving the Lord for 25, 50 years. You should be leading the next generation to show them how to do it. Instead, we struggle through the mire. We still sluck through the muck, and we try and get out of it. But the Lord has called us to something greater. You are veterans for the kingdom. There are years of spiritual experience in this room. Years of spiritual experience. There's thousands of prayers prayed. There's different things that have been shared throughout your lifetime. You've been used for the glory of God. There's a church that needs you. There's a world that needs you. I call to you now. Rise up, church. Rise up and be available. Have you ever been in the... You ever been in the military? There's the reserves, right? Two weekends a year, right? Two weekends a month throughout the year. And you go to drill and do that. And you, you get your college paid for, and that's really great. And that's really wonderful. But then they call you and say, hey, we need you to actually serve. And you're like, oh, I didn't think you actually were going to call me. You signed up for it, okay? You signed up for the kingdom. It means to follow Jesus means that you signed up to serve in whatever capacity that can be. And it doesn't have to be big. It just has to be something for the Lord. When it comes to small things, let's just do them. When it comes to big things, let's pray about it for guidance. As I wrap up this message today, as I've yelled at you enough this morning, you know I love you, right? You know I do it just because there are times where God just awakens something in my head that's not in this notes here. I wish you could see yourself the way the Lord sees you right now. I wish you could see how highly esteemed you are in the kingdom. Hallelujah, Jesus. I wish you could see how you are clothed and arrayed with honor and glory because you've been through the fire and you're sitting here tonight, sitting here this morning. You've been through it and you're still here. I wish you could, you could see yourself the way the Lord sees you right now. But instead, you still see yourself the way that you've always seen yourself. And as long as you continue to see yourself that way, you will never advance into what God wants you to be, what he wants you to do, what he wants you to change. You are a force to be reckoned with for the kingdom. And if you acknowledge that today, then you would see change. It doesn't mean that you do what I'm doing here. You don't have to be doing what I'm doing right here. But can you be serving in the trenches and serving in the things that other people have not volunteered for? Your first question should be when you hear about it, it's like, how can I get involved? How can I do it? And then I'm going to do it because others need to see me serving. Others need to follow my example. Today, if you've heard my message can we just close our eyes for just a moment? The Lord is so good to us.
today maybe you've heard my message and the Lord is calling you out of darkness. And walking in darkness. You might even be more comfortable in the darkness. Even as you're here this morning, you're like, I'm not comfortable in this place. I'm not a church person. I don't do church. This is not my thing. But someone invited you here and you're here. Maybe the Lord's calling you out of darkness. This morning, if the Lord's calling you out of the life that you used to live for yourself and the life that you used to live in sin, and today if he's calling you into the light this morning and you recognize that because you can feel it in your heart, that's where you're at and say, today, Pastor, I want to come into the light and I'm stepping out of the darkness. Just raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Chiang Taylor. holy moment right now between you and the Lord so I want you to pray this prayer with me Lord this morning I've been in the darkness for too long and today I hear your word and I hear you calling my name and today I leave the darkness I leave my sin behind I leave the old life behind And today, I choose to follow you. Lord, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me and that you rose from the dead, that I might have eternal life. So today, I choose to follow you. I give my life to you that you might lead and guide and direct me. In Jesus' name. Can we take a moment? God, thank you for your word made manifest today. I encourage you that if you prayed that prayer today, don't you leave this place without talking to me. At the end of service, I want to see you up here. I want to shake your hand. Maybe Jesus is calling you this morning into a deeper fellowship with him. Maybe this morning, as we have our heads bowed and eyes closed, Maybe the Lord's speaking to you about you've been away from him. He loves you. He called you by name. He wants you to be with him. And you're busy running. You're busy doing so much. But this morning, he just wants your time. He wants to be in fellowship with you. If this morning you, you can say, I feel like the Lord wants me to spend time with him. I hear his voice calling my name, and I just need to take some time to be with him this week. If that's what God's speaking to you this morning, we just lift a hand and say, that's me. The Lord's calling me to closer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lastly, maybe the Lord's calling you to go. Maybe he's calling you to be sent out for his kingdom and for his glory. And if you t- today you say, God, I'm ready and I'm willing to be sent out, whatever it may be, whether it's glamorous or whether it's basic, this morning, Lord, I choose to be sent out. Lift your hand and raise that up real high. I choose to be sent out for you, Jesus. 
I choose to be sent out for you, Jesus. Thank you. Anyone else? I choose this morning to be sent out for you, Jesus. Then, church, let's pray. Hallelujah. God, we thank you this morning for your spirit that's present in this place, for your leading and guidance, which is greater than us. God, today, I pray, Lord, those who you've called to yourself, I pray that they would set aside their busy schedule and say, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? That there will be times of prayer, there will be times of worship, times in your word, rich times in your presence, Lord, in which you would just communicate to them your great love for them, your redemptive forgiveness to them, Lord, your plan for them, and Lord, you would instruct them in the ways everlasting so that they might know you in a greater way. Lord, as they desire to see and, and, and experience more of you, would you grant their heart's desire today? Show them your glory and more of you. Lord, for the ones that have raised their hand today, may this not be empty words that we speak into the air. May this not be just a moment in which we are caught up in the emotion of the moment. But I pray this morning that we would say, I made a commitment, I said it to the Lord, I made a vow in His sight today, and I will make myself available to the kingdom of God in whatever capacity I'm needed. So Lord, we pray that Living Hope would not just be a a place that supports others, but a place that sends out as well. Use us for your glory and use us for your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.